We sang him to sleep every night. As an infant, we rocked him and sang lullabies. Then, in his big boy bed, we patted him on the back as we sang spirituals and camp songs. Connor went to sleep with a melody in his ears every night. So, when he announced to us that he planned to major in music and become a rock star, Dave and I felt pretty proud of ourselves. We asked him, Connor, did you first develop your passion for music because we sang you to sleep every night? No, he said, without an ounce of tenderness toward his parents. I fell in love with music when my older brother gave me all his old classical rock CDs when I was in the sixth grade. You can never quite tell how the spirit will work. I do remember then it would, when it was time to sing our son his goodnight songs, that I sometimes had to soften a bit to sing them. I might be frustrated with him because he dawdled at brushing his teeth or forgot to pick up his toys or used crayons to mark on the wall, but I couldn't sing through clenched teeth. I had to let go of my anger at least a little in order to let my mouth form the notes of the song. Today, we conclude our sermon series called Recalibrate. We have been looking at ways that we can recalibrate our souls in the midst of a global pandemic. Noah built an ark, and we can build a better world. Jeremiah planted a vineyard, and we can plant seeds of hope. A little boy shared his bread, and we can set out a feast for the hungry. Paul held fast to his faith by holding on to God and to his friends, even while he was locked in chains in prison. And today, we look at the members of the first century church who recalibrated their lives by singing. They sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. Oftentimes, we read today's scripture from Colossians at weddings. It offers down-to-earth practical advice. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, patience, and forgive each other. Bear with one another. But anyone who has been married knows that patience can be the first virtue to fly out the window. Any friendship, any family relationship sometimes tests our ability to forgive. Much as we want to exhibit the Christian virtues, we just don't find ourselves able to do it all the time. It's too hard. The passage from Colossians describes the outer characteristics of a Christian, compassion and patience, and then it describes the inner nature of a Christian, love and peace and gratitude. And the early Christians are challenged to pay attention to the link between the inner life and the outer behavior. Just as I learned that I could not sing to Connor while smoking hot mad, the author of Colossians draws a line between our interior feelings and our exterior actions. Singing is a way to link the two. 
who we are deep down inside of our souls and who we are as a people navigating this crazy time in life in this present moment. Sometimes it's hard to sing if you're on a Zoom call at work and trying to homeschool your sixth grader at the same moment. It can be hard to sing while waiting for your husband's COVID test to come back. It can be hard to sing while watching the debates. We love to sing Christmas carols, but this year we wonder if we can even gather with our family and loved ones for the holidays. How can we sing when we cannot gather? When God's people were living in exile in the Old Testament, they wrote a psalm that said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They were far from their temple, far from their homeland, far from their family and friends. They dared to ask God in Psalm 137, what if we don't feel like singing? When I was trying to decide on scriptures for this series back in August, I actually came across a story in the Bible that I don't ever recall reading before. It's in Deuteronomy. Just as Moses reaches old age, he realizes that he will not be able to cross over into the promised land with his people as he had hoped. Moses has led his people out of slavery in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and saved them from Pharaoh's hard labor. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He fed them the manna from heaven. But now Moses will not be able to set foot into the promised land with them. And so God tells Moses, teach them a song. Teach the children this song. And the story says that when terrible troubles come upon them, this song will confront them as a witness. Moses then goes and writes down the song and he teaches it to them so that it will be the way that they carry God's spirit and God's joy with them into the unknown future. The story from Moses reminds me of what philosopher Alfred North Whitehead said, music comes before religion. Singing has to do with our outward behavior, but also with what is deep inside of us. I was reminded of the deep connection between the beauty of music and the ethics of how we live our lives while reading a new book about Bonhoeffer. Mike Graves told me about this book called The Keys to Bonhoeffer House. If you travel to the home where Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived before he was arrested for resisting the Nazis and participating in the plot to get rid of Hitler, you will find Bonhoeffer's clavichord. His parents were shocked when he said he intended to become a pastor because he was already a talented musician and they assumed music would be his life work. When Bonhoeffer traveled from his home in Germany to the United States and studied in New York at Union Seminary, he was invited to a church in Harlem. And there he became acquainted with the Harlem Renaissance, with jazz music, 
with spirituals from the African-American tradition. And when he went home to Germany, he took his jazz and spiritual records with him. And those albums became the popular inspiration for the resistance movement in Germany during World War II. I can just picture them huddled behind closed doors, fearing what atrocities Hitler might commit next, but singing to the spirituals and feeling emboldened to risk their lives to stand up for love, for justice, for truth. The songs propelled them. Colossians claims that those of us who follow Christ have already been raised with Christ to live a different kind of life. Regardless of what is going on in the world around us, we are to reveal the love of the living Christ in our lives today. Theologians and biblical scholars have wondered for centuries if this is a vision of a heaven to one day come, or if once we are Christian, we are empowered to live with this compassion and love and peace today. What do you think? Is it possible for us to sing right now, even when life is a mess, Sometimes I wonder if God has placed in every human person a divine spark of love and joy, and it is up to us to claim it. Colossians puts it this way, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Maybe we are able to sing when we decide to let that hidden love be revealed in our daily lives. When I was walking the Camino four years ago in Spain, I met a woman in her mid-70s who was walking the entire six-week trail alone. She had been hit by a bus the year before she started out on the Camino, and she had had extensive surgery to recover. She had recently suffered a divorce. She was beginning a brand-new life, and now she had climbed over the Pyrenees and was near the end of this ancient spiritual pilgrimage in Spain and standing on a mountaintop on the edge of Santiago, she told my friends and me, I am trying to listen to all the life that is within me. I believe that's what Colossians is saying. Colossians says to those early Christians, no matter how bad things get, you have already been raised with Christ. The living Christ who suffered on the cross has now been raised to new life and dwells inside of you. That life, that joy, that song cannot ever be silenced. The song that our amazing four-voice choir sang today quotes the poem by Emerson that says, But in the darkest, meanest things, there always something sings. Is there any place then 
that is too mean, too dark, too painful for the risen Christ to appear? Is there any sadness where Christ cannot appear to sing in human flesh? A chaplain named Jesse was paged by the hospital social worker. Come and meet a new patient. When Jesse arrived, he was told that the patient was in her late 80s, spoke only Spanish, and was not very religious. The patient was shouting in staccato-like outbursts, yelling at people in the room who were not visible to anyone else in the room. The patient's daughter and grandson were inconsolable. They were unable to calm down their mother and grandmother with soothing voices or with loving strokes on her arm or on her brow. This drama had been going on for three days now. The patient will not acknowledge her loved ones in the room. She only yells out as if there are demons she is trying to scare away. And the chaplain doesn't know what to do. Sometimes in this kind of situation, the chaplain tries to introduce music to calm the patient. But this patient, the patient was born in Cuba, and the chaplain only knows one Cuban song. It's a religious song. And the chaplain knows that this patient is not religious. Finally, Chaplain Jesse decides to take a risk. Looking at the daughter, Chaplain Jesse asks, Do you mind if I sing? Go ahead, the daughter says. And so Chaplain Jesse sings the one Cuban song he knows. And the patient joins in. And the daughter joins in. And the grandson joins in. And the four of them begin to weep with tears of joy as the patient completely calms down. And when they finish singing together, the patient speaks in Spanish to her daughter and her grandson, and they crack up laughing. And Chaplain Jesse looks until they translate. <laughs> she wants to know why we are singing it so slow and melancholy like an Anglo. Why can't they pep it up a little bit, says the patient. There is no place where Christ cannot sing. You are the voice God will use.